Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker. And folks, on today's show, we have our third interview with Tim Williams. How's it going, Ron? I'm still dumbstruck that it's only three. The, the guy that he mentioned more times than anybody else is. I was going to say he the only third time on the show, but probably the our, our most cited person. <laughs> Uh, Absolutely, it, it, definitely up there. A uh, quick introduction of Tim. He's been on before, but one he he is the founder of Ignition Consulting Group. He's a noted author, presenter in major industry associations and business conferences worldwide. He's a career marketing professional, and he has keynote presentations that have taken him around the world. He's been quoted in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, yada, yada, yada. He's the author of one of our favorite books that we recommend all the time, Positioning for Professionals, How Professional Knowledge Firms Differentiate Their Way to Success. Tim, welcome back to The Soul of Enterprise. I'm delighted to be back, and three times seems like plenty to me, but uh, I'm, I'm delighted to, that you would subject yourselves a third time. Well, one of the things that we just absolutely love about you is that you stay on top of the, the trends that are happening, not only in your it, profession, specifically advertising, but really that are affecting all professional knowledge firms. I think, by the way, Ron is still jealous that you got professional knowledge firm in the title of your book. <laughs> so. That was a last minute edit that that uh, I have to fully credit Ron for. Yep. Uh, but in, in any case, uh, you, you, what are you what are you seeing out there? Some of the the, the latest trends you've been doing a lot of, a lot of writing. But I want to bring your attention to this. Back in 2019, October 22nd of 2019, you wrote an article called "Billing by the Nanosecond," basically predicting what's happening with AI right now. You were way ahead of your time on this. Well, I think AI had had been uh, written about for you know a few years prior to that. I went through my collection today. I've got articles dating back to 2016, maybe 2015. I I could I could see the writing on the wall that uh, this was going to present a, a challenge for firms that are mired in the hourly rate paradigm, and uh, I have since. And we'll probably talk about this. I've since come to believe that this is the actual final nail in the coffin of of the timesheet um, because we, we we see what's going to happen with AI and the role it's going to play in businesses of all kinds. And if you've got a time-based business model, that just makes no sense. So my bold prediction uh, that I made um, a while ago about uh, no professional service firm, knowledge firm is going to be billing by the hour uh, in in uh, in ten ten years from now. I absolutely believe is true. I can't imagine how we'll have hourly billing in the world of cognitive intelligence, cognitive technology. 
Because the AI that you were writing about in 2019 wasn't even the generative version of it, right? It, yeah. It's not what, what we have today, and, and it's growing by leaps and bounds. But yet your article really seems to allude to the fact that you kind of saw that that's where it was going. I mean, you mentioned some companies that are, that are doing it um, in, in, uh, in, in, the, in the space that you serve. What's been the latest and greatest? What are, what are some new innovations around AI in the advertising space? Well, it, it is surprisingly mainstream in many areas of the, uh, the, the marketing business, uh, things that you would suspect uh, production of uh, ads, social media, blog posts, content development, the analyzation of customer data, even, even things like writing uh, press releases, that, that's been in place now uh, for you know, a, a year or two. The developing areas, of course, are more in the areas of concept development and illustrations, you know, copywriting, music, and um, areas where agencies, uh, the larger agencies, have all developed business units and, in some cases, separate brands that are using AI for, I might as well bring this up, now in the conversation, what I call magic, uh, the, the division between magic and logic. So, you know, magic being the, the, the concepting problem solving piece and logic being the production execution implementation piece. So it's easy to see how AI can handle the logic work and it's doing it beautifully. Um, it's getting easier and easier to see how it can handle the, the magic work, but that's all iterative, right? That's all in, in a process of test and learn in most firms, but they, they all have form, formalized um, some kind of a department to, to handle this kind of work in, in the larger firms. So you got me thinking when you're talking about this with, with generative, especially with regard to not copy, but, but art, I wonder if anyone's tried to feed in the original Travelers logo and the original Citibank logo in uh, and just and say, combine these two together to see what it comes up with. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll bet AI would have spit that out. It wouldn't. Yeah, because, you know, what does it do? It just goes out and, and looks for patterns. It looks for pattern recognition. And and that's why I, I believe it will be useful even in positioning strategy, because what do we do when it comes to positioning? We're, we're looking for patterns and common threads in uh, the experience and expertise of knowledge workers. And, you know, sometimes I, I've had the experience many times of being in a room with, you know, the flip charts pasted around the room with all the category experience, all of the knowledge that this firm has the, the 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 experience level of various professionals and you look at that and say i i can't see a, a common thread in any of this i mean eventually you can day two of an offsite, but ai could do it dare we say in a nanosecond yeah I mean, you, you and I've used it for that. I've dumped some some notes from meetings that I've had and said, summarize this in five or six bullet points. Yep. And boy, it comes back up with that. And so I, I imagine that there are firms that are doing that with regard to advertising and looking for trends and all that stuff. Sure. Especially, yeah, with data sets uh, absolutely being used for um, market segmentation, customer identification, 
uh, identity resolution. I mean, all the things that are so labor intensive in the labor intensive in the old days of data science now are you know done in a split second and 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 done much more effectively. So, what is the the role then of the advertising professional become? You know, because I, I imagine the first step is is people think, oh, because of AI, I can do this on my own. I don't have to go to an advertising agency. I can just use the the, the tools in and of themselves. And then they'll quickly learn that it's not so easy, right? I mean, there's there's some things that they're yes going to get out of that, but it's not going to be the level of quality. What does the advertising professional bring to it then? Sure. I mean, it's it's um, it's back to the argument that in the end, there is still a lot of subjective judgment that needs to be applied in in the work of an ad agency. And I think I think what AI does really it, it's uh, it's a riffing partner. It it helps explore possibilities and options. I was taught as a young advertising professional uh, the sixty headline school of creative development, which argues that when you sit down to write a headline for an ad, you probably won't have a, a great idea until you've written at least sixty headlines. You know, the, the first 20 are going to be things you heard before. The next 20 are, you know, average. And then finally, you're getting into interesting new territory when you've, when, when you've got 50 or 60 ideas on paper. Well, this is what AI does for us, you know, in, in a, a, it's a shortcut to rapid creative prototyping, which, you know, is what creativity is all about. It's, it's, uh, exploring um the options and the possibilities and so i think that 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 but but in the end it takes a human to say yeah that's it mm -hmm. that's the one you know that that's the that's the one that's going to resonate um based on our you know our knowledge of human nature and this is where we apply behavioral economics and behavioral science and and, and judgment to what's going to be an effective piece of communication and I'm just wondering if, if you've heard of anybody doing this. I, one of the things I've played with ChatGPT on is is having it pretend to be someone. So, for example, I had it. I, I said, I want you to give me your answers as if you were Jay Gatsby from The Great Gatsby, right? <laughs> Did, yeah. And it comes up with some pretty fantastic stuff. Have anybody done anything with with, with regard to per personas? Because I know that would be an interesting thing. Like have have ChatGPT pretend to be your ideal customer and interview yeah. it and ask it questions. Yes, absolutely. I've I've heard of agencies uh, feeding in, developing, well, having having AI help in the development of personas, but then having uh, a chatbot assume that personality and ask it quite just like you said, as you as wow. you described. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's useful um, in an, both an objective and a subjective way because it it helps immensely in more effective targeting, you know, based on um, demographics and geographics and psychographics and all those things that media professionals use, but it, but also in the messaging itself. So it helps on both fronts. Oh, I see. So what they're doing is then saying, okay, what are the ideal messages that this type of person would respond to based on all of this information and that, <laughs> getting that yeah. stuff back. Yeah. Wow. So it, I mean, it, is there is there become a, a, a budding career around? Uh, I know there 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 is in general, but but specifically for advertising, prompt engineers, prompt sure. engineering around this stuff. Sure, there there are new titles, new roles that are popping up in agencies. Uh, 
AI artist who, right, they spend their days with Stable Diffusion or Dolly or, you know, Mid Journey uh, and AI writers realizing that the, if you, if you need a simple paragraph to plug into a website, you know, AI can likely do that for you. If you are, you know, writing a, a, a manifesto for, for, you know, a, a company's vision, then, you know, you would want a, a human involved in that, but they're leveraging, they're leveraging AI and machine learning to, 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 to do even that. So yeah, lots of new job titles popping up in professional. <laughs> so it's like, so it's it, it, it may be taking jobs, but you're saying there's lots of created creating jobs happening as well. Sure, I mean that's that's another argument, right? Uh, I think I think you can look through the lens of the, the good old, you know, do you want it you want it good, fast, or cheap, cheaper, faster, better? What what's the role of AI? And I think the answer is it, it, it can do all three, right? It's, mm -hmm. It doesn't force you to choose. You know, you, you can pick any two. You can have all three. But, but that brings us back to the magic and logic discussion, which maybe we can get into a little bit uh, more. Because yeah. I, think, I think the faster and cheaper, well, ultimately, I think uh, that the, what, what is going to make AI so valuable to professional firms is not its ability to make us more efficient, but its ability to make us more effective. Great. Well, that's a great point to, to leave it on. We are up against our break. I want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is the soul of enterprise where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. We'd love you to go out and rate this podcast, and you can do that by going to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE. And now, a word from our sponsors. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah, 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 Whatever. And four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You 
are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with the man who taught me more marketing and branding and just positioning and strategy than anybody else, Tim Williams. Tim, uh, you wrote an article called For the Agency Business to Live, the Billable Hour Must Die. And what and I love this article, but you quote a marketing professor, Scott Galloway, who said this, and, and I think this is the dirty little secret in the professions right now. Some 2,000 of WPPs, one of the holding companies, yep. former employees have migrated to Facebook or Google. Only 124 have gone the other way. And he said, the ad world today is increasingly run by the leftovers. I think it's the same thing in accounting. I think it's the same thing in a lot of professions. What do you think? Yeah, it's a particularly uh, dystopian view, uh, but I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's true, isn't it? The, the, um, the, the talent wars uh, and the talent drain in, I'll speak to the agency business in particular, is uh, can, can only be fixed in one way. Uh, we've got to remove our self-imposed profit ceiling. You know, we don't have a scalable business model in the professions. We, we, uh, w- if you look at the way our client organizations, the, the way they view their people is as, you know, label their people ROI. They, they look for their people to leverage the intellectual capital that already resides in the firm and they figure out ways to make more money off of that. In the agency world, that same person could be labeled FTE, right? They're looked as upon as billing machines. They've got, you know, 16, 17, 1800 billable hours and, and, and that's it. We're not looking for ways to leverage um, that into to, to monetize that. So until we develop a scalable revenue model, uh, we will never be able to compete with client organizations uh, for salaries. Uh, I hear, I hear, Google and uh, you know Meta and and other tech companies in particular offering three times the salary for the same position, and uh, agencies just simply can't compete, and we never will unless we scale our business. Yeah, I think accounting and law firms have the yep. exact same problem. Uh, you know, you also wrote in that article, firms are unable to add more income without also adding more staff, the very definition of an unscalable business. Um, I also loved it because you brought the, you brought the anti-capitalist argument. You're like running a regulated utility. Yeah. I, I, I can't, that's one of the first things I said at a 4A's conference. And yep. an A and A con- I got so much heat for that, Tim. Oh, but well, it's so memorable. It, you know, <laughs> I tell that story all the time. How I first met Ron Baker, and he was getting to to, to learn more about the advertising business, and he said, "You guys are like a regulated utility. You, you, you have your clients telling you how much profit you can make, and that really struck a nerve. And it's so true." It's an, it's anti-capitalist, right? It's it is. our business model is anti-scaling. Um, you can't leverage a labor-based business model. You can't. So you say 
what's required, especially with the advent of AI, is to package and sell programs and products, not services and capabilities. So productizing. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that, because I know you, uh, you also uh, mentioned a Harvard Business Review article, putting products into services. Yeah, which I did go out and read, and he had some really interesting thoughts. So talk about that a little bit. Well, first of all, I I realize, acknowledge the aversion we have in professional service firms to the idea of productization, right? Because we want to believe that everything we do is unique and custom, and and you know, you you say the the word productization, and and um, a, a lot of professionals are really turned off by it. But if you stop and think about the, the work we do, the majority of work we do, we have seen these problems before. In fact, I believe that's, the, that's a way to define the concept of expertise is we've seen this before. And if you've seen it before, then you've got at least a framework for how to approach it. And so why not institutionalize that framework so that we're not constantly reinventing the wheel? There's a um, a model that I've written about that I think is particularly useful. I didn't create it, but I think I think it's it's really instructive. Where on one axis you've got known solution and unknown solution, and then on another you've got known problem and unknown problem, and in those four quadrants uh, you can plot any type of engagement. Um, the the vast majority, in my view, are engagements where we've seen this problem before and we kind of already know how to solve it. Now, that doesn't mean that the, that we won't apply some creative thinking to the to the actual solution. Of course we will. The solution is not going to be an ad that, that has already been done before. It's going to be a new custom unique uh, campaign, but we're going to follow a framework, a set of steps, a roadmap that's going to help us get there in, in a way that uh, helps us forecast and manage the resources in our firm. Yeah. I like to say the last thing I want to hear from my surgeon being wheeled into the OR is, Oh, wow. Look at that. I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah. You know, give me the guy who's done this a million times, not right. the guy who dabbles in it. On the, um, yeah. So much of what we do in, in professional knowledge firms is, is on the rails. Yeah. It's when we go off the rails where our creativity and our innovation shines, but what but to sum up this post, I, what I really liked about it is you said, you know, we need a revenue model, not a cost model. Yeah. That's the problem with the billable hour, isn't it? Yeah. It's only, it's a, it's a cost structure. It's not a revenue model. Um, it, it's, it's the missing dimension in the business model of, of professional service firms. Um, adding up your efforts is not a, a revenue model. We haven't applied any creativity or innovation to uh, to, to a revenue model when all we're doing is uh, a reflection, manifestation, or calculation of our internal costs. Right. So true. Um, Rory had had some interesting things to say about that, which we'll talk about next segment. But okay. you, you then you, you wrote another uh, piece that I just really loved, Price the Building, Not the Bricks. <laughs> and in this article, you mentioned, uh, is it Weber, uh, Weber Shandwick? Yes. Uh, it, their, their crisis simulation platform, Firebell. Explain mm -hmm. that. I love this. Yeah. Well, that's, you, you can take in any professional firm, you can take a, a set of solutions that you apply to client problems and name it. 
uh, turn it into a, a bundle of services that, uh, that can be productized and monetized. And that's what Weber Shanwick did with crisis communications, because that's, that's a service they offer over and over to many and many of their clients. So they, they provide training, PR firms provide training, you know, media training, crisis communications training to their clients. This was an effort to, to institutionalize that, name it, and sell it um, as a licensed product so that it's not uh, billed by the hour. And they've done, they've done that with most of their uh, offerings are, have now been turned into products and programs, the vast majority. They've done a, they in particular have done a very good job of this. I, I, you know, it reminded me of what I thought, and, and it's probably been surpassed by now, but maybe not the most successful productized uh, PKF uh, example in the world, I think, is still Wachtell Lipton's poison pill. Hmm. It's a very specific solution for a very common problem. I think mm-hmm. Twitter almost swallowed one <laughs> when Elon Musk was, you know, coming after him. Um, but you know, when you do that, you price the you price the product, not the hours. Right, you don't right. Price the customer. You're pricing the product. It may be tweaked for the customer here and there, but uh, yeah. uh, that's that's the concept, and and you know that's the shortcut to value pricing. It you know you it, it, it in in workshops, and you've had this experience many times. You know you you work you you walk people through the paradigm shift, which I think still is important, but, but where the, where the light bulb really goes off, I think for a lot of people is when you say, look, what we're ultimately trying to do is price the program, not the hour, the product, not the person, the solution, not the uh, staffing plan, right? That's, that's, that's where we're trying to get to. And so I think uh, productization is, a very powerful shortcut to success in, in value pricing. And Everybody I agree. can do it, it, right? And it's based on the idea that nobody buy our clients aren't buying solutions and efforts. They're buying solutions. Uh, uh, they're not buying services. They're buying solutions to business problems. And so why not package that up in a form that is, everyone in, inside the firm knows, understands, they know how to, how to deploy a program and you know in advance what the footprint is of that inside your firm. You know the resource requirements, and you know what the minimum price ought to be. Right, right. You don't have to go through that value conversation and like you do with value pricing. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think this could be a great interim step to subscription. Sure. You know, we we still are getting pushback on subscription because I the thing about subscription that I think is different than say a productized program is I think the revenue model is different. And we, when we talk about revenue model, I use it a very specific way. I use the term that Marco De, uh, Bertini used in his book, The Ends Game, where he says the revenue model is the question, what do we want our customers to pay for? Mm. So for, for Fender that. guitar, it's not, a, it's not guitar, it's musicianship. Yep. For Sin Sam, it's perfect eyesight, not glasses and contacts and uh, you know that type of thing um we had joe pine on a few weeks ago by the way tim and he yeah he said he went to his golf pro and the guy you know was trying to sell him half hour lessons by the hour he said no no he said listen i want you to make me a single digit handicapper i'll give you 10 grand yeah awesome 
I, I mean, that changes the relationship with the professional, doesn't it? Totally. Yeah. And I, I agree that, you know, the subscription model uh, does, does the same thing, arguably the ultimate solution, but programs or products are an important step on that, on that road. Yep. And AI makes it that much easier. Um, I, you know, I just re-listened to your, uh, when you were on the 20% podcast, the marketing procurement podcast with Blair Enns, yeah. Leah Power, you were on there. What was it back in March of this year? And y- you predicted the death of the billable hour within 10 years. <sighs> I, you know, <laughs> from, from your lips to God's ears is all I can say, but uh, defend that for a minute. Well, I completely stand by it because of AI. I mean, that that is going to force... Uh, every firm who is, because every firm, if you accept the idea, every firm is going to implement some forms of cognitive technology, you know, over the next few years, uh, they're going to be forced to monetize what they do in ways that have nothing to do with time-based billing. So I, I stand by my prediction might be sooner than that. I hope that's right. Boy, that'd be great. Um, I thought the talent war the competition for talent would accelerate the demise but it's been technology and i think that's true across Mm. all the sectors of the professional world yeah i i uh prior prior to what's happened with ai i i would have said uh, talent wars too but now i think it's been eclipsed and this is this is just flying by i knew it would be and folks we'd like to remind you if you want to get a hold of me or ed send us an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com do check out our Patreon channel where you can listen to our bonus shows. And that is at available at patreon.com slash TSOE. Of course, that channel is now sponsored by 90 Minds. Find the mind at 90 Minds. Check them out at 90minds.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercial commercials plus bonus content go to patreon.com slash tsoe subscribe now and be free you're worth it streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com you 
are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are on with Tim Williams, again, the author of Positioning for Professionals, How Professional Knowledge Firms Can Differentiate Their Way to Success. We highly recommend that book. Also wanted to give a shout out to one of our new Patreon sponsors, Stan Essexon of NewAgeNeuro.com. And you're going to love this tagline, Ron. He says, your patients will be grateful, but your CPA will be amazed. So check him out at NewAgeNeuro.com. Uh, Tim, so what's happening with the world of subscription in advertising? Is that getting any traction? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Well, I preach it everywhere I go. And what the, the, the traction I see happening is where firms are able to identify recurring service areas that things that they do over and over uh, on a routine basis, such as social media, community management programs, performance dashboards, CRM programs, things that they they offer routinely to their clients. I make the argument that that is a perfect candidate to package up, offer in various versions, ABC, um, sell that to your client as a subscription. It's a way of getting experience with the subscription model and it's an additional revenue stream, particularly for clients who really ought to be uh, getting uh, analytics reported to them uh, on a regular basis, but they're not. You say, well, we've got an analytics reporting package or program or performance dashboard available in these various uh, forms and formats. Which one works best for you and your client can easily subscribe. It's affordable. so. It, it does two things. It generates an additional revenue stream, starts to diversify that firm's uh, pricing portfolio, and it gives them some experience with subscription. I have, I've yet to see a firm go all in uh, in, the, in the advertising marketing space with subscription, although I, I should say I don't personally know them. I've seen a few examples online mm. of, of agencies who, who say you can subscribe to our digital marketing firm. Uh, I've not done any work with them. So there, there are some uh, examples out there, but it's mostly taking these uh, products and programs we've been talking about mm -hmm. and, and offering them as a subscribed product. And what, with regard to that, are you, are you, cause Ron talks about, or we talk about the no notion of covered versus not covered. And one of the things that it's, it's better to do is include everything that you can in the subscription and then perhaps vary the frequency with which the customer has access to it. Is that something that they're doing as well? Uh, yeah, yes, but it is more, uh, a different set of outputs. Uh, I would say, for example, with the performance dashboard, the, you know, version a, Option A would be you get, we report weekly. Option B is we report monthly. Option mm -hmm. C, we report quarterly. I mean, it's, right. it's, more, it's more a difference in, in what you get than uh, levels of access. Yeah, which is good. I think, the, I mean, in other words, they get everything. It's just a matter of difference of how often do they get it and how often is it analyzed or how often are you off, exactly. offering your, your, your critique? 
Yeah, no, that's that, that's good. Do, do you see anything with regard to subscription fatigue and or just resistance of customers to subscription? I, I hear a little uh, ins and outs of people saying, well, I don't want to subscribe to that. I, you know, I just I just need this thing. So talk talk a little bit about that. Sure, sure. And I mean, you you know better than I, but I mean, these, the, you, you know, we have apps now that help you unsubscribe to things, right? Because we feel <laughs> oversubscribed. So I haven't seen subscription fatigue in in my you know sector because it's not nearly established enough. So I don't, I don't see any resistance yet. Um, we, we've got a long ways to go, I think, before uh, that happens. I'd like to, to bounce something off of you. I think that we're not going to see it in B2B. I mean, the, the you know the unsubscribe stuff is in be, in in business to consumer or sure. direct to consumer stuff where yeah you're getting oversubscribed to some stuff. But I, I would think that businesses want the predictability of it, and that that that's that's got to be far more appealing as well. Sure, um, you know again it's in its early stages in in our business. Um, the the it's the the first step is to persuade agencies and other professional firms that that not everything they do is so unique and custom i mean i think that's the biggest obstacle honestly um it's it, it's showing them that that no there there's a lot of what you do that that actually can be turned into a, a, a can be productized and things that can be productized are good candidates for subscription so we've got a ways to go before we hit subscription fatigue at least in, <laughs> in my in my business Right, that, that's that's good. Um, j just overall, your your assessment of the advertising space in terms of uh, of really uh, creative thinkers out there. What what are you seeing? I know you pay a lot of attention to to different agencies' websites and what what they're thinking and what what are they doing. What are some of the the, the neater things that you're, you've seen over say the last year or so? Well, um, I I think I'd have to bring it back to to AI because the mm. the, the most interesting new examples of productization involve some form of AI. Mm. Um, prediction machines um, developed by PR firms that help predict the sentiment of a particular story or news release before it's even written, or uh, which, which is now uh, available through um, you know, one of the large multinational firms. Uh, there is AI-powered media planning uh, that uses predictive modeling that has been productized and named. Um, so that and 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 then, as I mentioned before, just new agency brands that that are AI AI driven agencies where everything they do is going to be assisted by machine learning in some cases, and and even some startup firms that are purely profess to be purely AI driven as a means of that's essentially their positioning strategy or the the thing that they are you know that's only going to last so long right because that's kind of like saying our firm is powered by electricity you know it's uh, <laughs> right uh in, in in the future everybody is going to be powered by ai so that's going to last about three months i think <laughs> yeah powered by ai yeah 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 <laughs> So you, you mentioned uh, other brands. Is it, I know we've talked about this previously. Ogilvy has created had created separate brands. Have they created a separate brand for AI? No, but they have um, what they call the AI Accountability Act, and a mandate within their firm that clients must be notified uh, and informed that 
the agency is using AI and that they tag the work, you know, powered by AI. They, they want to be transparent with their clients uh, in part to avoid copyright infringement and things like that. Um, so uh, most, a lot of firms are striking deals and partnerships with Microsoft and, and Google where they've got exclusive partnerships to use their technology. Um, lo lots of examples of that happening. And I know you do, do uh, work all, all over the world. Is there any concern about what the EU is doing with regard to pushback on AI for the agencies that are, are based over in, in, uh, in Europe? Sure. It's a, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about this, but it's definitely a, a more nuanced kind of uh, offering in, in the UK, especially, or in the EU um, than, than it is here. They, there's a lot more regulation around it, as you know. Yeah, there's a, I read an article this week, and it's in my stack for our bonus episode. There, there's there's companies really beginning to push back on it because they're really concerned that they're, that they're going to fall behind. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know one one thing that 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 struck me with these big you know multinational firms that uh, that are leveraging AI, <laughs> they. I read an interview with, with one of the, the top execs who said, you know, we pay $500 a month for this service <laughs> and we're able to leverage it and turn it into this multinational powerhouse of, you know, ideas. Uh, and there's you know, something to that, right? The, <laughs> the, the value equation of, of a subscription to chat GPT is, you know, what do you, how do you calculate it? How do you do yeah, it? It's, 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 it's crazy, right? That, that yeah. there's so much value in there and they're getting it so quick. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so, uh, and I, I've lost my train of thought on the, the question. Let me uh, go a different place then. Um, what's the new magic work? Well, not surprisingly, it is um, experimenting with how, how AI can uh, develop, well, easily develop storyboards. Uh, you know, that's being done right now. Instead of sitting down, you used to have to hire an illustrator and to sketch out, you know, in scene one, we want, you know, to portray this and that scene two. Now that can easily be done, you know, in a matter of minutes. Uh, with uh, AI, uh, using using uh, AI for rough concepts to present to clients, you know, that used to all have to be, you know, either hand-drawn in the old days or, you know, computer graphics. Now AI, you, you just have, have the right prompts and it right just spits it out. Um, so that's, but but the real leading edge is in, in things like uh, music composition, scoring, scoring commercials and and things like that. Uh, there's, you know, we're just in the infancy of, of, of all of that, but there are multinational, some of the holding companies have explicitly stated within the next 12 months, we want AI to be able to develop finished campaigns, start to finish. And that uh, would be, you know, a game changer. Yeah. Holy smokes. Well, uh, Tim, thanks for giving us an update on what's happening in the advertising space. And Ron's going to take you the rest of the way home in the last segment. But we want to remind the, our listeners that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise. Show notes, previous, uh, uh, previous shows, as well as uh, previews to upcoming shows. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer of 20 years today, Sage. 
Little Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise welcome back everybody we're here with tim williams and tim on the again on the 20 percent the marketing procurement podcast with blair Enns and leah power you were on in march rory sutherland was on on may 17th 2023. And they were talking about the difference between hourly billing and the old commission model. And I know you talked to them about that as well. Uh, and actually gave the origin story because it started in Ogilvy, right? right? With David in one office for one client, I think it was yep. Shell or something. That's right. Yeah. Um, but what Rory said about the hourly billing model, Tim, he says, we've incentivized ourselves into irrelevancy. He called it transactional capitalism. He said, we need to get back to relevance. And he equated it to marriage. And he said, one of the benefits of the commission model was that it allowed us to make investments across the entire portfolio of our clients, like, like a research report and make it available to everybody. He says, you don't see that in transactional capitalism. I love that. Mm. That's that's good stuff. That is so true. The uh, you know, and he's he's grown up in the agency world, so he's seen what I've seen, which is the 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 way in which the agency business has become so reactionary and and, and so reactive. They, they they agencies talk about filling scopes of work as though they're you know fast food operators versus having the the incentive um, to be proactive and provide the kind of thought leadership that that Rory used to provide, as did I, you know, in our years in in the business, um, in you know, in in the past, because the incentive ch- structure has changed. I think he's exactly right. Think about episodes of Mad Men that you've watched, in which Don Draper and friends make recommendations 
to a brand that have nothing to do with the advertising. They go into their department store client and say, you know, you ought to move the men's department to the fifth floor. Well, what does that have to do with the advertising? Nothing. Well, why would he say that? Well, because he know that's he knows that's going to improve the, the, the sales and the success of, of his client. Therefore, his client's going to spend more money with the agency. Therefore, the agency is going to earn more commission, better alignment of economic incentives. It, it encouraged much more holistic thinking. And now in the, you know, uh, work a million hours, earn a million dollars model, that just uh, doesn't exist. And, and Tim, that's not the mind blowing thing he said. This is this okay. is one. Of, I'm going to give you two my, that I'm still trying to get my head around, and I can't. I need your help. He said we need to move as agencies. We need to move off brand issues and start dealing with category issues. How do you get people to adopt solar panels, electric vehicles? This this U light. He, he loves this Philips lighting because they, they turn different colors. He was talking to Blair and he said, "Alexa, turn the room red," or you know, and the room went red. Um, this blew my mind. Category yeah. issues, not yeah. brand issues. Yeah, that's that concept's familiar to me too. And I, I think it's you have to have been in the business a certain uh, number of decades, uh, <laughs> like 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 I have, and and Rory, because we we were taught as uh, young uh, advertising executives that, uh, and this is almost a quote from from my mentor who said, it, "It is the role of the leader to educate," and generally what 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 you're doing is educating about the category not not about the brand and i think that's what he means i think that's what he's talking about is that leading brands or at least brands that aspire to 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 leadership in in the category need to sell the category not the brand um so yeah that resonates with me because they will stand you know based on the fact they're usually only two or three main competitors in any given category the the leader stands to benefit the most from selling the category so i think that's part of what he's talking about do you agree yeah i guess it's like uh, if you're if you own a bookstore you you want the library to come to town because it's going to make books more valuable yes and yeah. it's a signal that people in that town read um well this this brings me to the second thing he said that blew my mind, and then I want to tie this in. How, how do you see this playing out from a strategy positioning standpoint? He said, right now, agencies pitch to their customer, and the customer goes out and gets five agencies to pitch. He said, it should be the other way around. Hmm. There should be one pitch that the agency does to 150 or 500 or 1,000 different customers. Hmm. Tim, that's mind-bending to me. I don't know how it would be implemented, but I guess it kind of ties into that category thing. If if you position yourself as the solar EV firm, mm -hmm. it, couldn't you make general pitches? And I don't know how you do this, whether it'd be research or set up a think tank like McKinsey Global or something, but I'm intrigued with, no, no, we're doing this wrong. It shouldn't be one pitch. It should be, we should be pitching thousands of customers at a time. Because of the deep level of expertise within that resides within the firm yes or you just came across a killer idea that might even apply oh, outside the category i see yeah wow that's uh that's lead, pretty leading edge thinking um 
You yeah, need to I, listen to the podcast. I will. You, 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 please you, do. It, on, it's mind blowing. I, I will. Yeah. He, of course, he's blows my mind every time I uh, read read a book or an article uh, or listen to an interview by him. So that I, I will. He, sure. he was at the Cannes Cannes Award or something, and yeah, and he was on a guy's radio show, and the guy's got a few million listeners podcast, and he's up in his hotel room the next day, and he's watching his Amazon rank for alchemy his book just mm. you know soar way up and the guy's out there talking to his audience about this book and his audience isn't advertising agencies at all yeah and that's where he made the connection well my ideas apply to a hell of a lot of other places than yeah. just our our regular market oh that's for sure yeah i mean even beyond professional service firms right yeah across the board i think that's absolutely right Wow. Uh, well, we need to, to continue that discussion, but um, you know, I've got a new line, Tim, and, and I know you've heard this, but I, I absolutely love it. Um, we like to say when we're talking about the positioning and strategy issue to firms, because a lot of firms, as you know, are very reluctant to turn anybody down. And I say, you know, like to pick on accountants, if, if accountants, you know, <laughs> they like to say that oh, we're, we're both veterinarians and taxidermists. So they can say either way, you get your cat back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that line, by the way, but um, <laughs> I'm going to borrow that. Yeah, definitely. Give, give, give me, give me your elevator pitch for putting yourself in a box as a firm for focus, not in niching, but focus. Yeah. In a box in a good way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Because we hear the, the idea you don't want to be boxed in. And my argument is, no, actually, you, you, you must be boxed in because otherwise you have no strategy, right? So the box or the four, the four walls of the box are what I call what, which is the area of expertise you bring to bear in which you can be world class, who, which is the markets that you have chosen to serve. The answer can't be everybody. The the fourth or the third wall I call way, which is the way in which you do your work. Uh, and sometimes that that is uh, unique enough that you can, that's a distinguishing characteristic um, on which you can build a positioning strategy, although that's fairly rare. And the fourth is the hardest of all, but arguably the, the, the cornerstone uh, of, of any business, which is why. So you've got what, who, way, and why, four W's, a well-positioned business has to have a good answer to all four of those questions. You at least need a good answer to, to a good strong answer to at least one of them. And an example would be, we are in the experiential marketing business, not we're a full service agency. Uh, you could choose instead to define your positioning strategy based on a who, which would be where we serve health and wellness uh, categories exclusively. Um, and some firms uh, are have a, have a strong what and who. Uh, for example, a, an agency that that focuses just in just public relations, just for technology firms. So that's a what and a who. But this is the hard work positioning strategy to this to think through in which areas you know how can we s subtract instead of add how can we how can we narrow our focus to be more appealing to a select group group of customers 
So that's, you know, that the, the box we want to box, you hear this idea that no, you know, we don't want to be pigeonholed. And I say, no, absolutely. We do want, we do want to be pigeonholed. We need a way for people, our prospects and clients and customers to think about us. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Uh, yeah. If you diversify, it just proves you don't know what you're doing. All right. Well, Tim, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. It's not going to be another six years or whatever it's been since we've had you back back on. So um, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. And Ed, what do we have coming up next week? Next week, Ron, we're going to talk about systems thinking made easy. Oh, uh-huh. good. Let's make it easy. <laughs> good. Excellent. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, that's noon Pacific. In the meantime, please visit us on the web at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.